Good morning, church. It's really nice to be with you today. Over the last six weeks, we've been talking about the issue of mental health as part of our HOPE series. And today I'm going to be concluding that series talking about the topic set free from me. And I like the word set free because in the Bible, it says in John chapter 8 and verse 36, that if the Son of Man makes you free, then you are free indeed. One translation actually says that if the Son sets you free, then you are unquestionably free. So we know that the one that sets us free is Jesus Christ, our Lord. So we find our freedom from anything, bondage of sin or anything that is trying to hold us down in Jesus Christ, our Savior. As we have gone through the series, we've sort of seen three different things or enemies that sort of mess up our minds. We've talked about the battlefield of the mind. So we've talked about the world and the flesh and the devil. However, today I want to talk about what may be the biggest enemy, and that is you and I. Sometimes we just get in the way. You know, the Bible says that God has given us the power of choice. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, it says, choose. I set all of this before you choose life that you may live. So we have the power of choice. We choose what we do. We choose what we don't do. We choose what we listen to. We choose what we don't listen to. We have the controls in our hands to determine how much of the spirit of God we want to allow to work in our lives. And the more we allow ourselves and we yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit, the more we will make the right choices by the spirit of God. Maybe you've heard the phrase before when someone is said to be their own worst enemy. What does that mean? That means that person, in spite of knowing what is right to do, is choosing to do the wrong thing. And this is what Paul was describing in Romans chapter 7, where he talks about this challenge between the law and sin and how the law was not able to deal with the issue of sin. But as we reach through Romans 7, we see that Paul actually tells us who dealt with sin on our behalf, and that is our Lord Jesus Christ. So he talks about the outworking of a battle that is going on on the inside of him. He's not able to do things because there's something raging inside of him. There's an inner battle going on, which then dictates or determines the things that he does on the outside, good or bad. And as we read, look at Romans chapter 7, and we read verse 5. In verse 5, it's, those things are called sinful passions. So in the Bible, it says that the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members bearing fruit to death. And in verse 6, it says, But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. And when the Bible uses that word sinful passion, it's referring to the things that we have undergone that results in pain and hardships. Situations that we have gone through in life resulting in pain and hardship. But the thing about that word is it's also not just referring to the external pains and hardship, but it's actually referring to that inward pain, what we are carrying on the inside of us as a result of what we've gone through life. And this is some of the things that Paul is battling with when he talks about then finding himself doing the things that he does not want to do. You see, psychologists say to us that there are seven things 
that can mess up a person's life more than anything else. And it results in stress, it results in pain, it results in unhappiness and unneeded pressures in our lives. And these seven things are shame, uncontrolled thoughts, compulsions or habits or impulses where you just want to do something even though you know it is wrong. That sense of hopelessness that sometimes we feel when we are in a situation and we just look at it and we just are discouraged by it and we want to give up. Fear is another one of those inward things that happen on the inside of us. Bitterness and insecurity. All of these are things that externally people don't see. But it's going on inside of us for one reason or the other. And if these things are not dealt with, then we find ourselves doing the things that we don't want to do. And the things that we want to do, even though we know they are right, we sort of struggle with doing them. So this is what Paul is describing in Romans chapter 7. But when he gets to chapter 20, verse 24 and 25, he's sort of summarizing it and he's saying, Wretched and miserable man that I am, who will rescue me and set me free from this body of death? Who will set me free from me? Who's going to do it? It doesn't say what, but who is going to do it? Because the law can't do it. The commandment can't do it. You know, trying to be good can't do it. You know, the medicines possibly can't do it. You know, all those things that we go to can't do it. So who is going to set me free? And he answers the question himself in verse 25 when he says, Thanks be to God for my deliverance through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus Christ is the one that sets us free, like we read in John H. 36, from the bondage of sin. Jesus Christ is the one that destroys everything that holds us captive. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, we have the power to be able to overcome in any one of these situations. Somebody talking about Romans chapter 7 and verse 24 talks about this person of death referring to, to someone like being changed to a corpse that cannot be freed, who's despairing of deliverance. But he goes on to say that this despair gives way to a declaration of victory. Not because the struggle has ceased, but because human strength is exceeded by the power of the Holy Spirit. Human strength, what we can't do in our own human strength is possible by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, you can't read Romans 7 without reading Romans 8 because it's like a continuation and, uh, of the story. You know, because Romans 8 talks about the power of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. And it emphasizes how great that power is to enable us to walk in freedom and to walk as those who have been delivered by Christ Jesus. You see, the Spirit of God on the inside of us is the antidote to all of these negative emotions that we talk about. The Spirit of God is the answer to it all. I remember reading about a study that was done of Bible scholars, you know, and they were asked that if they had only one chapter in the Bible to take with them on a desert island, which one would they take? And 90% of them said they'd take Romans chapter 8. And I think that is such a good and a powerful thing because Romans chapter 8 
really talks about the victory and who we are in Christ Jesus. So what I want to talk to you about for the rest of the time is I want to look at five truths from Romans chapter 8 that sets us free from the battle that is within. And the first one we find in Romans 8 and verse 1. The Bible says, therefore, there is now no condemnation, no guilty verdict, no punishment for those who are in Christ Jesus. Those who believe in him as a personal Lord and Savior. There is no condemnation. That word condemnation is used only three times in the Bible and it means a damnatory sentence. A verdict, an adverse verdict or sentence. God does not condemn you. So you should not condemn yourself. God does not see you as guilty. God sees you through Jesus Christ and he never condemns us. As long as you are in Christ Jesus and you have received him as your personal Lord and Savior, the Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation for us in Christ Jesus. And the challenge there is this tension between what God is saying to us and what we are feeling on the inside of us. And usually what we need to do is we need to replace our thoughts with the words of God, replace our feelings with the word of God, allow the word of God to just wash over us, you know, as we, as we think about it. So it replaces the feeling of guilt and condemnation and shame that we may feel sometimes because he's saying to us by the Holy Spirit that there is no condemnation to us in Christ Jesus. And he explains why in verse 2, he says, For the law of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, this law of our new being, I'm reading from the Amplified Version, has set us free from the law of sin and death. You see, Paul was talking in Romans 7 about the law of sin and death, but we have a greater law that is working in us. And that's called the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. For what the law, the old law could not do, in overcoming sin and removing its penalty, being weakened by the flesh. The scripture says in verse 3 that God did. What the law could not do, God did. And he did it by sending Jesus Christ in the likeness of sinful man as an offering for sin. And he condemned sin in the flesh. This is what Jesus did for us. And because he took that condemnation, we are not condemned today. So the first thing I want you to remember is there's no condemnation for us because Jesus has set us free. The second thing I want you to remember is, comes from verses 5 to 17. And as we read verses 5 to 17, the Holy Spirit is emphasizing to us the importance of us setting our minds on the things of the Spirit, recognizing that we are now children of God. And that word set your mind means to pay attention to. I sort of think about setting it like setting a picture in the house. You decide the position that you want it to be to get the best benefit of that picture. So you and I need to position our minds on the things of the spirit. This is where the power of choice comes in because you can decide where to position your mind. You can choose to position your mind on the flesh, 
the things that you see, the things that are happening around us, or you can choose to position your mind on the things of the spirit. And the Bible says in verse six, that if you position your mind on the things of the flesh, it leads to death. But if you position your mind on the things of the spirit, it leads to life and it leads to peace. In the New Living Translation, it says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. We are not. It says, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Holy Spirit. And as you reach through those verses up to verse 17, you see in verse 12 where the Bible talks about how we have an obligation, almost like a debt, to live our lives according to the ways of the Holy Spirit. It says now that we are in Christ, we have this obligation. It's not a choice. It's almost like, you know, yes, you can choose, but in some respect, you know, it would do you good <laughs> if you lived your life by the Holy Spirit. And then you get to verse 14 where it talks about how it says for all who are allowing themselves to be led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And he says, we have not received that spirit of bondage or slavery, but we have received the spirit of adoption by which we cry, Abba, Father. And, you know, as I, as I was thinking about that, you know, I, I had to look at it a little bit more because sometimes when we think about adoption, it sort of feels like maybe is lesser than if we were born into the family. But you see, when Paul was talking about this, in ancient Rome, adoption had a really powerful meaning. Because when a child was born biologically, the parents had the option to disown the child for a variety of reasons. But when a child was adopted, because that child had been freely chosen by those parents, because that child was desired by the parents, because that child was brought in to become a permanent member of the family, parents could not disown a child that they had adopted. The adopted child received a new identity. Everything was erased of the past and they were given new rights and new responsibilities. Now think about what this means when the Bible says to us that we have been adopted as sons. And so we can now cry, Abba Father, Abba Father, the most endearing term that can be used in terms of a relationship that now exists between us and our Father God. So every time I cry out to my Father, guess what? He comes to my help, is there to deliver me, is there to sustain me, is there to keep me, is there to help me to experience his victory in the situations that I find myself in. And I think it's so important for us to set our minds on the things of God, recognizing that we are children of God. And about two weeks ago, I had the opportunity to choose what I was going to position my mind on. I'd gone through a situation that sort of left me feeling disappointed, you know, and I remember waking up on Saturday morning and I just could not shake off this feeling of disappointment and this feeling of guilt. You know, maybe I could have done something more. Maybe I should have done that. And maybe if I had done that and done this, you know, all those things were going on in my mind. And I had to stop and make a conscious decision that I was going to set my mind 
or position my mind on the things of the Spirit. So I started by just, I mean, I didn't particularly look for a particular scripture. I just opened the Bible and started reading through it. And I allowed the Holy Spirit to start to talk to me. And one of the things that I do the most when I'm in that situation is I just journal. So I was just writing anything that I felt God was saying to my heart, every explanation that I felt the Holy Spirit was inspiring in my I just wrote it down. And that brought me such a sense of peace even though the situation hadn't changed, but I felt peace because I understood a bit more and I could see that God was working that through with me. But the breakthrough came on Sunday for me when I turned to church and I listened to the band play a song. And honestly, I wrote in my journal, this is 9.20 on the 15th of November, 2020, that this song was for me today. And they sang, you are my rock on which I stand. A strong foundation when all around is sinking ground. You are the hope, the one I hold on. You are my God, I trust in you alone. In a world that's failing around me and when I cannot understand what I can see, I will choose to trust in your unfailing love, in you, my God alone. And the second song they sang was, my God will see me through. Take me by the hand and lead me on. My God, you will never let go. And what is the point here? I'm saying to you that you and I have to make those choices. And it doesn't matter how the word comes into you. It can come because you're reading your Bible. It can come because you're just allowing the Holy Spirit to speak into your heart. It can come because you're listening to church or music or something. But as long as you let it come into you, then the Holy Spirit uses that to encourage us and to assure us and to bring us out of those negative emotions that try to take a hold of our life. So the third thing I want to say to you is that we need to build our hope on the promises of God, allowing it to give us a proper perspective on life. You see, when we look at Romans chapter 8 and verse 18, it says, For I consider from the standpoint of faith that the sufferings of the present life are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is about to be revealed to us and in us. So he's talking about whatever you're going through today, whatever you're going through in this life, whatever life will throw at us, it is nothing compared to the glory that it will be revealed in us and through us. And you need to hold on to that so that you can put everything in perspective. There is a glory to be revealed. There is a working through that the Holy Spirit is doing that will bring about something different. And as long as you and I can keep on hold on to this hope, hope is about expectation. Hope is about trusting in God who is working in that process through you. And as you read through those verses from 18 to 25, it talks about this hope of the glorious freedom in verse 21 of the children of God. That is one hope you and I can hold on to, the hope of the glorious freedom from whatever is trying to hold us because of the victory in Christ Jesus, the glorious freedom we have as children of God. And then when you get to verse 25, he tells us that, but if we hope like this for what we do not see, we have to wait eagerly for it with patience and composure. So we see hope, the importance of hope. Let hope paint a different picture for you. Let hope paint a different perspective, a godly perspective on your situation and wait for it. 
with patience and with composure because we have been promised a glorious freedom as children of God. The fourth thing I want you to, to hold on to is to remember in Romans chapter 8 from verse 26 to 30 that the Holy Spirit always comes to help us and he comes to our aid. And he does this in two ways. He prays for us when we don't know how to pray. And because he prays for us when we don't know how to pray, the Bible says that all things will work together for our good because we love God and because we are those who are called according to his plan and his purpose. So you've got the Holy Spirit working for you working with you. So you just need to keep praying and keep trusting God and keep expecting good to come out because you are called according to his purpose. You know, when you look at the latter parts of verse 30 and verse 31, it's quite interesting in verse, sorry, in verse 29 and 30, that Paul talks about God being good in the past, in the present and in the future. He says he was so good to us that he foreknew and predicted destined us to be conformed to the image of his son. He's so good to us today that he has called and justified us. That word justified means he sees us as if we haven't sinned. He's made us righteous and he's so good to us in the future that he has glorified us. So however you look at God, he's always good. And whatever you're going through today, God will be good to you and the Holy Spirit comes alongside us. And the final thing, the fifth thing I want to leave with you is that to remember that you have been set free by the power of God's grace and his love. And we see this in verses 31 to 39, where Paul asks three, five questions actually, which cannot be answered because the answer is just about the grace and the love of God. So he starts off by saying, now that we know all that we know about how there's no condemnation, about the power of the Holy Spirit that is working on us, about how God will do us good, about this hope that we can have. Now that we know all of this, the first question he says, what then shall we say to all these things? In verse 31, he then asks the question in verse 32, how will God not also with Christ graciously give us all things? In verse 33, it says, who can be, bring a charge against God's elect? In verse 34, it says, who is the one who condemns us? And in verse 35, it says, who shall separate us from the love of God? And he ends that chapter by saying, nothing will be able to separate us from the unlimited love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And that is where you and I stand today. So I want to encourage you as we close this series, I want to encourage you with the word of God. I want you to go and read Romans 8 because there's so much treasure in there. And remember the five things. First of all, there is no condemnation to you because Christ Jesus has set us free. That's the first thing we need to remember. The second thing we need to remember is to set our minds, position our minds on the things of the spirit, recognizing that we have been adopted as children of God. Third thing is to build our hope on the promises of God, allowing it to give us a proper perspective on life. So let's allow hope to fill our hearts based on the promises of God and let it give us a bigger perspective, a godly perspective 
on whatever it is that we're going through in life. The fourth thing is that the Holy Spirit comes to our aid to help us in our sufferings. And God is always working good for us. And the fifth thing is to remember that we have been set free by the power of God's grace and love. And as we wrap up this series, I just want to pray the prayer that we started with at the beginning of the series. And that's in Romans chapter 15 and verse 13. And that prayer that I want to pray says that may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May God fill us all. He's the God of hope with all joy and all peace in our believing that we will abound in hope that we will be enriched in hope, that we will abound and overflow in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because we know that the Holy Spirit is the antidote to every negative emotion that we may experience in this life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, everybody.